Thank you for tuning in to the Hacker Noon podcast, a production of HackerNoon.com, which is how hackers start their afternoons. I'm your host, Natasha Nell, and today, a podcast for product people. If you keep just solving the problem, the product starts to build itself organically. If it isn't consumer-led, you can build all the cool tools and tech that you want, but nobody's going to use it. We're moving out of a world where successful businesses is only measured by profit. I'm joined today by Danny Lacey, Head of Product Strategy for Norwegian South African Sustainable Tech Initiative, Aurora Sustainability. Aurora has, by the way, been nominated for one of Hacker Noon's annual tech industry awards, the 2020 Noonies, in the Future Heroes category for best use of tech for good. So check it out and vote it up at noonies.tech today. So, Danny, thank you so much for speaking to Hacker Noon. Let's start with a quick introduction to Aurora Sustainability and your role in the project. Sure. So Aurora is a community for like-minded people looking to make more sustainable decisions. Our first product or tool is a quiz that tells you your carbon footprint and how to improve. And my role's product strategy, I kind of just see it as being responsible for making sure that the product meets the market and that we go forward continuously serving that community and really just doing the right thing. <laughs> Makes a lot of sense. I personally took the Aurora Sustainability Carbon Footprint Quiz and uh, I feel like I could do better. Uh, <laughs> there were a couple of things that I didn't realize had such a, a such a massive impact in terms of kilograms, um, you know, emitted. That was, that was a bit of a wake-up call for me and I was wondering what is the most shocking or interesting data that you guys have pulled from that quiz? It must be a, a pretty interesting bunch of numbers. Indeed, indeed. It's been super interesting. Um, firstly, don't worry about your results. Everybody's usually pretty shy. Oh, um, but I think what was super interesting for me is actually that we've noticed that women are more interested in sustainability. So we find in terms of our cost per result, um, when we advertise to do the quiz, it's a lot easier to get women to do the quiz um, and to find out their carbon footprint. So that's been really interesting. And another aspect that's pretty fascinating is that a lot of people are doing amazing things in terms of lifestyle changes, but they aren't considering where their money is going, um, which I think is probably a very intangible concept for a lot of people. It's one of our um, users actually referred to it as numbers in the sky. Like it's not real, it's just numbers in the sky. And so I think that's, that's one of the most fascinating aspects that we've come across in the data. And how do you then take the, that tool that you've built, the quiz, and turn it into teaching people more about, for example, issues like where their money goes? Sure. So what we did was we actually created this sort of interesting concept of an Aurora score. And that's a combination of your behavior. So things that can't necessarily be quantified into carbon emissions and your actual activities that we can then calculate carbon emissions from. And we combine those into a score out of 100. And this is across categories of investment, energy, consumption, and travel. And what we've realized is that if we can provide recommendations within those categories, we can help people to almost break up their sustainable life into different parts and work on them differently. 
I also didn't mention that food is one of the categories. So for instance, you can stop eating meat, redo the quiz and see what the impact in kilograms of CO2 is. Because I think a lot of people are trying to do the right thing. They're trying to be more sustainable in their lifestyle, but they don't necessarily know the science behind what impact they're making. So that's really how we've approached it. And also things like badges. So small things you can do like carpooling or um, going plant-based in your diet. And what our tool currently does is also recommends content that is related directly to the areas where you could get better. And we felt that helping people from an information perspective in a very accessible way has really given people access to information that they can absorb easily that isn't just scientific jargon or intimidating or, you know, creates guilt. Everybody, nobody's perfect. So we're just trying to help people make the best small little decisions that they can. For sure. I found it very accessible. I must say the advice that I got, it was very actionable, simple, and I could see directly sort of where I could make tweaks to my own behavior at home. How much um, trash we produce was a big one for me as well. I, I'm not keeping a close enough eye on that. Um, non-recyclable uh, waste, obviously an issue. Um, so yeah, that was good. My question about that is, so Aurora is working to build this community of environmentally minded people, helping them calculate their carbon emissions and teaching them how to reduce that for free. So what's the product strategy and or business model at play here? <laughs> so I'm glad you asked that because I think it's a question that a lot of people are wondering about. And for me, it comes back to the stats, right? So millennials were recently um, measured as the largest living generation. And beyond just loving our avo toast, we actually care about climate change. And I think any company, not just Morris, is only going to succeed if they understand that specific critical market and if they can serve them. I mean, I can't tell the future, um, but a few things that we're looking at at Aurora is, for instance, sustainable financial services. So linked to what I was saying about people don't really know where their money is going. So that's one of the aspects that we'll actually be testing in beta this month is the ability to invest your money and see what impact it's making. And then we're also looking um, to working with organizations like companies and public sector in helping their employees and citizens to actually become more sustainable. So I think the beauty of Aurora is that it has endless potential because it's solving a real problem. And there's so many different ways that that can be applied. And that's how we want to build the business model is around how do we actually help people? And yes, sometimes it's going to include monetization. But as long as we keep solving the relevant problems, I think that should really be the guiding light. Can you talk us through a few of the key learnings from your process personally as the lead product strategist on this project from sort of ideation to going to markets? Sure. So I think number one is probably to always solve the real problems because the product kind of builds itself from there, right? So we built our first tool and we put some content behind it and we kind of took it from there and it snowballed. I mean, at the moment we have between two continents, 10,000 people that have looked into their carbon footprint and quite a few of those have redone the quiz, which really shows that we've got something interesting. Um, and if, if you keep just solving the problem, the product starts to build itself organically. I think the second one would probably be that in data I trust. <laughs> So it's not new to measure things. I think it's, it's a pretty standard product development 
requirement um, in the world that we live in. But our team is very data driven and we generally just want to better understand the consumer and what matters to them so that we can keep solving their problems and serving them. And I think what's quite interesting for me, the third thing would probably be that we've built our team like we built our product, which is organically. So when we first started, most of our team, well, some of them still do, actually have day jobs. So we've embraced the side hustle and the passion project. And we've kind of gotten rid of this archaic notion that a company should be this big, heavy, hierarchical thing. Um, what we've done is that every person on the team was recruited by someone else on the team when we realized there was a gap or we were going at a pace that we couldn't keep up with. We're mostly freelancers and we've created this interesting, like dynamic virtual organization around the project, which I think has been a really cool way to, to recruit. That's really interesting. I'd, I'd be interested to know more about your rhythms and routines as a distributed team, all freelancing. How do you sort out a Zoom calendar invites? How do you maintain momentum <laughs> on projects? What are, what are the kinds of things you implement to keep projects on track? So it's been really interesting as well because some of our team members are also in different time zones. So the asynchronous communication is very key. Something we actually did a pretty cool Instagram video on this about um, when working remotely. I mean, the whole world's been forced into it now, so we're all learning together. But things like over remote when you're remote is a saying that we, we stand by because over message, it's not always easy to read someone's tone. Um, you want to be honest with people, but not offensive because you're not actually face to face. So some of those more sort of cultural nuances have become really interesting for us. We have one set meeting a week um, that everybody attends. And that's really important, I think, just for everybody to regroup. We are still a pretty small team, so that makes it easier. And really just also spending time getting to know each other so when we can so that we can collaborate effectively and just understand everybody's roles so yeah i mean i don't know if that's that really answers your question <laughs> okay yeah very similar at hacker noon we we have our rhythms and our routines that keep us um together like a like a monthly all hands on deck but um also the async communication is so important i really like the phrase over remote when you're remote that's fantastic <laughs> Um, all right, so let's hashtag. Yeah, definitely going to make it a thing. Let's elaborate more from a product development perspective for a minute. I love that you guys hacked together V1 with off-the-shelf tools like Typeform and Mailchimp. So, what kind of value were you able to extract from phase one of the project, which with didn't really require much dev work? Uh, versus what kind of value are you hoping to gain from phase two, which, as I understand it, will require a few more lines of code? Indeed, indeed. We had the real devs come in for the second version. So I think it's probably relevant to start um, just to explain where Aurora came from. So Aurora was initially an experiment. Um, I was in London at the time and Extinction Rebellion was shutting down the city. Greta had just been named Time Person of the Year and the, crisis com the climate crisis conversation was getting really big. And as a team, we were starting to wonder, you know, is this a passing phase? Do people really care? Um, how can we help them? People are so concerned. Maybe they just want to understand how to make an impact. And so we created the quiz, which was, as you mentioned, version one. And I think the value that we got from that was really to validate our hypothesis that people do care and they do want to change their lifestyle to have a lower impact. 
And now that we're moving into version two, it's more about actionable ways to do that. So as I said, we'll be bringing in things like sustainable investment. We're creating a proper dashboard so you can kind of live your best sustainable life and really just tracking and managing uh, your sustainability in a more actionable and interactive way than just getting an email. Nice. So you mentioned um, that it started as an experiment. I would be interested to know exactly what kind of other ideas were on the table at the beginning. How did you, you saw the problem, identified that people wanted to change, that people, it was a subject that was top of mind for people. How did you get to that solution finally? And what, what kind of other ideas did you come up with? What was thrown on the table um, initially when you were talking about tools to help people start changing their behavior? Very good question. So a few of the things we looked at were things like loyalty points and could we incentivize people and things like that. And we very quickly started to realize that that kind of cheapens it to a certain extent because it takes away the, the incentive that people should have, which is just genuinely doing the right thing for the planet and sort of preventing the climate crisis. So that was one of the things that we looked at. We also looked at starting from the business side. So could we start analyzing businesses and their sustainability and then encourage people to shop at those specific businesses with a specific rating? And what we realized was that the consumer side is where we should start because at the end of the day, if, if it isn't consumer-led, you can build all the cool toys, tools and tech that you want, but nobody's going to use it. Um, and so that's why we decided to start with the consumer carbon footprint. And we do, to a certain extent, still link people with sustainable businesses. We do profiling on them. And maybe that is something we can look at in the future. But this was our starting point. I can't believe 10,000 people have taken it between South Africa and Norway. That's really impressive. Wow. So prior to working in sustainability, um, as you do now, you work predominantly in the fintech and crypto spaces, if that's correct. So why the move? And what would you say were the most transferable skills that you take with you in product management between industries? So I actually started in banking, funnily enough, <laughs> and then moved into the fintech and started the space from there. It's quite a funny story because I actually chose a banking graduate program over a digital advertising one and it might sound a little bit weird but I've always been interested in people's attachment to money and the emotive aspect behind that and I think for me learning from working banking first was that I worked in everything from helping people to buy houses to helping small businesses get paid and that to me was a really broad scope um, of things to understand. And in terms of moving into the sustainability space, it was mostly a personal interest, but also how finance and sustainability can overlap. And I think that in terms of how those two things overlap is that we're moving out of a world where successful businesses is only measured by profits. I think we need to move into a place where profits is about how you spend it on sustainability. It's like, it's not a return on investment, it's return on environment almost, as cheesy as that sounds. And I think in terms of skills that can be transported or transplanted, it's probably understanding human motives and just finding product market fit through that combination of data and design and I think those are skills you can apply to any industry. What would be your advice to anyone who's interested in transitioning into product strategy or into the sustainability tech industry? I think I'd say don't be defined by your role. Um, I've never worked at a company or two companies that define product management or product strategy the same way. 
Um, I think everything in the tech space, especially roles, is kind of ever evolving. But for me, the most important thing for a person to have if I were to hire them is experience. I think you can have all the degrees in the world, but if you don't have a real product being used by real people, you can't claim product development. So I think if you aren't getting access to building products in your current job, find a side hustle with some friends um, because it's really about the stuff you can't learn in a textbook. I like that. The side hustle culture is an interesting one. Have you seen any specific benefits that you think come from the fact that your team are a team of side hustlers committing anywhere between what 10 and 30% of their time weekly to this project? I think what's cool is that they get exposed to stuff outside of our way of thinking. So it kind of broadens their horizons, the fact that they're working in all these different contexts and getting exposure to different things. And because we're building a community of diverse but yet like-minded people, having a team that's being exposed to different things, different locations, different concepts, uh, different opinions, I think it brings a certain level of value to the team. Love that. So finally, 60 seconds of free airtime to share your golden nuggets of wisdom with our humble Hacker Noon listeners when it comes to any tiny actions you think people can take towards saving the planet. Consumer-led, as you And go. (laughs) No pressure. Um, So I'd say start with the small changes. Um, The world doesn't need a few strict vegans. The world needs millions of people to lower their meat consumption. Or if buying a bamboo toothbrush is the quickest, easiest thing you can do, do it. Like, it all counts. The small things count. And don't be overwhelmed by all the information out there. Just do the small things every day, those small decisions that I think add up to a big impact. Fantastic. Thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. And everybody, don't forget, vote up Aurora Sustainability in the Hacker Noon Noonies this year. They have been nominated for Best Use of Tech for Good and uh, well-deserved, I'd say. So thanks very much, Danny. Thanks, Tash. Thank you for your time.